0: Hello, and great that you've joined me, Jeremy Schwartz, to listen to Richard Hudson talking to me on Saving Tomorrow's Planet. This is the second of three programmes on electric cars and autonomous vehicles, and we need three episodes because it's such an important subject. Saving Tomorrow's Planet podcast has been created to talk to people around the world who are actually trying to do something to save our planet. Some are taking small steps, while others are dedicating every bone in their bodies to reduce our emissions. As we look at the changes needed to reduce the pace of global warming, I personally have little faith in governments to act with speed and bravery to change the way we all live in order for the planet to hit the lower emission targets they've set. From my experience, working in global companies, it will be companies like the established car companies forced to follow what Tesla has done that will drive the changes we so desperately need. Even then, we can see it is down to individuals, visible people like Elon Musk and the unsung heroes who are bold, brave and resilient enough to act and act against the indifference all around them. I hope some of them are listening to this podcast because we need them. It is down to you and I, we as collective individuals around the world, to be shown and to take our own small and large steps to generate less emissions. And to help us do that, I ask each guest to give us their tips and tricks that we can ourselves embrace to make a difference. I start by chatting to Richard, who has been the sales and marketing director for BMW in the UK for many years and is now the commercial director for a major UK car distributor for BMW and Minis. Talking to Richard builds on my conversation with Charlie Simpson in the first episode on cars. Richard is at the forefront and front end of seeing the changes in the sales of combustion and electric cars in the UK and shines a light on some important facts that influence the sales of electric cars. I start by asking Richard what he sees as some of the biggest influences on the sales of electric cars in his dealerships.
1: One of the big drivers, Jeremy, is the tax because you've got people, whether they're buying it for a company car or whether they're buying it for a private car, they'll always look at how much they're paying, and tax plays a big part in that. So you get taxed when you buy a new car, and then every year you're paying tax for the road fund license, but also as a company car driver. So if you're a company car driver, suddenly a switch to an electric car can make a massive difference, three, £400 pounds a month cheaper to get a company car that might be electric or might be a plug-in hybrid as well. So tax is always going to be one of the biggest drivers.
0: So just because I have stopped having a company car many years ago mm-hmm. because of the tax, just remind us what, how you are taxed as a company car driver.
1: It's very simple in the UK. You are taxed based on the purchase price of the car and based on the emissions that are on that car against your nominal tax rate. So if you're a lower or a higher rate taxpayer. So the calculation of those three bits means that is how much tax you will pay as benefit in kind for that. Uh, And you'll pay more for a diesel car and you'll pay more according to the CO2 emissions that that car gives out. But if you've got an electric car or you've got a plug-in hybrid obviously the emissions are a lot lower on that as well and it also depends on the amount of zero emission mileage that comes out so some plug-in hybrids only 30 miles some electric cars of course are completely uh, emission free and on top of that you've got the government which pays something called a plug-in car grant So you get a grant direct from the government for a pure battery electric vehicle now. You used to also get it for a plug-in hybrid, but the government realised with the growth in sales, they couldn't afford to pay those grants, so they cut that. So grants from the government also helps accelerate that. The UK does it a little bit. Countries like Norway do it a lot more as well.
0: It would seem obvious, therefore, that all companies would insist that their employees on company car schemes use electric cars. But I guess they don't pay tax, such as personal tax, on the cars they buy.
1: Well, the company pays VAT on car purchases. I'd say with company cars, you've got a number of factors. One is how much that fleet manager has got to spend, and he's got a budget that he he needs to come within as well. And at the end of the day, whether he's providing vans or cars for people to be on the road, he's got to provide a service to them. So they've got to be... Reliable cars, they've got to be safe cars, and they've got to be fuel efficient as well. So, whether that's a petrol, diesel, or electric, there's no point if you've got a team of 20 sales reps and they're all doing a thousand miles a week to put them in a car that has an electric range of 150 miles because that'll suddenly kill their efficiency of a sales rep because they'll be sat at charging points for half of their week.
0: Every company is wanting to publish how they are reducing their emissions. And I'm sure having a fleet of electric cars rather than petrol or diesel must be helpful in hitting those lower targets. This
1: is becoming more important for some companies is do they want to use their car fleet to be perceived as being perhaps more environmentally friendly and therefore be driving electric cars? But you've also got increasingly most companies will have a cap on the maximum number or the maximum level of emissions that anyone could have in a car fleet. So they'll say that's fine. You can have any car within this band, but it's got to be sub 120 grams of CO2.
0: So obviously many of us won't uh, be getting a car within a company environment, one because of the tax or the company doesn't uh, offer it or it's not appropriate. So what about people who are buying private cars, which I guess is still a large percent? Knowing that the personal tax is so high on company cars, and because many people don't have the option of a company car, they will be buying privately. So what percent of electric car sales are to private buyers? And what are their different motivations to buy electric?
1: I think it's about 60% are are in for people buying them for company cars and about 40% people buying them privately. And of course, there is more and more electric cars coming through in the second hand car market now. So I think people buying them privately are going to have less tax advantages because they're not going to get the original plug-in car grant because that's only for new cars. And also you don't get a benefit from benefit in kind because it's not a company car. So the reason you'd have it as a, private owner is because either you're perhaps more aware of damaging emissions in your area and you don't want to be seen to be driving a petrol or a diesel car or perhaps you see yourself as more progressive and you want to drive an electric car as well and it also fits into your lifestyle because there are number of people who have anxiety about the range of the cars Mm. whereas in fact 80 90 percent of most people's journeys are less than 50 miles so that they can easily live day to day with an electric car
0: this concern around mileage of electric cars seems to be diminishing either because most of us actually do few non-stop super long distances And that we're starting to hear and believe that cars like the Tesla can actually do several hundred miles without charging.
1: All the car companies are governed very strictly about what they can claim is the range of their electric cars. And they are governed and they're subject to some very strict tests in terms of the testing environments and the temperatures with which those cars are tested under to make sure that range is what it says on the tin so that when people buy that car, they're not disappointed. However, range can decrease as a battery gets older in a car as well, which, which does have an impact. But ranges can vary from everything from a plug-in hybrid car, which might have an electric driving range of, say, 30 miles, and then the normal petrol engine will kick in right up to the newest electric cars like the Ford Mach-E, which has just been launched, which I think has got about 344 Mm. miles of electric range. So it's quite a span of performance on that. So the range is going to vary according to the performance of the battery and let's face it, the price of the battery and then therefore the price of the car that you buy as well.
0: My sense is that once you get used to an electric car, you will ensure it is being charged as often as it needs.
1: Most people, if they... In that, they will drive it and use it like they'll use their mobile phone. They'll come home, they'll plug their phone in, they'll plug their car in. Next day, they'll go, they'll have full charge. In general, most people's journeys, 80%, 90% of them, don't exceed 50 or 60 miles in a day. Mm. So an electric car will will be sufficient for most people's needs. So if
0: um, one looks at air flight for a second as an analogy, potentially, I believe, that business travelers actually account for a huge amount of airline CO2 emissions because Mm -hmm. they're the ones flying Mm -hmm. a lot. So it's the heavy user, let's call it that. Yeah. So if the heavy user is uh, perhaps salesman, I guess, or or people who have to use car for business, and they exceed those miles. What do you see are the different ways that people can and will be able to charge cars in a more efficient, simple way? So it's not a barrier.
1: Charging at the moment, you can have standard charging, you can have rapid charging, and you can do standard charging from a normal residential home. You can do rapid charging if you've got a dedicated charge point fitted in as well, and you can have that rapid charging at home. And again, when it comes around to an unrelated industry, but office building and home building is also being incentivized and guided to have plug-in charge points uh, at offices, new build offices and at new build homes in certain areas as well according to local planning. So more and more charging points are going in. People are no doubt familiar with seeing all of the banks of Tesla charging points at many of the service stations and there's many other independent charging points coming up as well.
0: Charging my phone at home by just placing it on an iPad is called induction charging. I still don't know how it works and frankly it seems to defy the laws of physics. But I wonder if this could be possible for cars too, because that would be really super cool and make charging far easier
1: but future technology will allow for induction charging, so many people will be familiar that you can um, put your mobile phone onto a device and it will charge it wirelessly effectively and you can have the same the same mm. induction charging will become more and more commonplace for vehicles and that may be at a stationary point, which just becomes a point of convenience. But, you know, the technology is also being developed and it's also on trial where you can drive along a road, let's say a bus lane. Um, It could be that for a mile of a bus lane, there are induction charging pads along that. So you would drive along the bus lane on your way to work and you would generate more charge as you go forward as well.
0: I mean, that's fascinating and something that's very exciting in terms of imagining stopping at the lights or other places and just charging. One of the things I'm interested in is, obviously, how car companies are incentivizing themselves to go into electric because of the economics of the car mm-hmm. versus a petrol or diesel. Now, obviously, the engine, I guess, was one of the things that we would think of as the difference between different car brands. Mm. And I guess an electric engine, they're all pretty similar. It's just a battery with something. Can you talk me through what's the impact of this move from engines to electric engines in the perceived value of a brand?
1: When you look at a lot of the car companies, where they started from, they started making engines, that was their key strength, and whether it's uh, one of the prestige German brands where it's all about the performance of their engines versus some of the other brands, or whether it's about some of the established companies like Ford, where again, they were all starting around the engine, that as a differentiator will become less and less when it comes around to electric cars, because... In many cases, the batteries are made by an independent company. Maybe Samsung is is making the batteries and the actual electric engine is often made by a coalition of different manufacturers as well in order to keep the cost down of building the electric engine.
0: So I'm interested to know how the profitability of an electric car is more or less if the car companies are outsourcing the electric engine and battery and now having to share the profit margin on the engine where they keep all the profit on a combustion engine they make internally.
1: To build an electric car and to sell an electric car for the car companies is much less profitable Mm. than selling a combustion engine car. And that's partly about the cost of building the engine in the first place, but it also comes down to the economies of scale because the volumes of those uh, are so much lower. But the other interesting thing is when you open up the bonnet of a typical petrol or diesel car at the moment you look at it and you can see lots of components Mm. when you open up the engine of an electric car it is a sealed unit and it has much less moving parts in it so where is your current car at the moment you may take into a dealership and get it serviced once a year and that service may be quite involved because it needs to change oil filter and engine oil and and so on and so forth with an electric motor there's a lot less components to be changed so you what you've got is a lot of dealerships out there which are geared up for servicing and they'll continue to do this a population of combustion engine cars but in future they will have less work because the electric engines need less work to be done on them as well so there will be a big change then that will not be overnight but it will grow as the electric car market grows
0: this is really interesting for me Because companies will be more motivated to innovate, to reduce emissions, if the new products make the same or more money than the polluting ones. Here we see a number of reasons that car manufacturers will potentially make less money, and I could imagine that that will put the brakes on them switching all their car sales to electric. But now we learn how governments can act and can make an impact through regulation and fines, The car companies are being pressured to act to avoid fines from the EU, for example.
1: On the simple basis is that as long as an electric car is profitable to make and profitable to sell, they will continue to sell that. But equally, on the macro scale, you've got car companies that are subject, and this is common across the world, um, but car companies operating in the EU Will be fined if they do not hit certain emission thresholds um, and fall below that. They will be fined significantly to make sure that they do fall and that their fleet of vehicles that they sell each year are below a certain level of CO2 emissions. So let's take that to an extreme that if you were a company that was selling 500,000 cars in Europe in any one year, If you sold 480,000 profitably, but you were above your emissions target, that remaining 20,000, you could almost give away free if they were electric cars Mm. to get you below that threshold target. So there are economic drivers at a political macro level that's forcing all manufacturers to sell a higher proportion of lower emission electric makes a massive difference to that as part of their overall fleet Mm. as well.
0: And I wonder if there are new ways to make money from cars that can make electric cars more attractive to them.
1: The other part in terms of how will car companies make money out of cars in future if they're going to make less out of selling a combustion engine car. Very simply, we see this with all car brands. You've got different types of connected services within the car, whether they're done in collaboration with the likes of Google or whether they're done on their own kind of proprietary platforms where you can have subscription services in your car, whether it be music, news, or other information that you can sign up to on a regular basis. So car companies give those away free when you buy the car new, but maybe after two or three years, a bit like with your mobile phone, you can say, hey, do you want to upgrade to these new services? And you can then have um, the next version of that. So software updates will drive a lot of that uh, additional revenue that will come from the future as well.
0: In some ways, this is a fight for survival by car companies. And if they want to be around in the next five to ten years, they're having to do business in a different way. Every car manufacturer
1: that wants to be successful and profitable in the future, and therefore it's got to be sustainable and it's got to be relevant now for today's customers and tomorrow's customers. So that's why you're seeing a, a much more rapid growth in the volume and variety of electric cars that are coming out because they they know that everybody has to be controlled by these CO2 emissions and to be sustainable and to have a future as well. So there is no car company out there, apart from some very niche, almost hand-built type Mm -hmm. car companies that are not orientating the whole of their business in that way. And that comes around to the lightweight engineering of the cars through to the engine's that they're doing through to the level of autonomy as well, because that's also linked with technological progress as well as the lower emission cars as well. So, yeah, every car company is moving in that direction. And you are seeing an increasing amount of collaboration between some of those car companies and some of those alliances because they are realising that the development of the platforms, whether it be the chassis, the electric engines or the batteries, the benefit of that is, is much greater if it can be shared amongst a number of different car companies. So there's a lot more collaboration going on behind the scenes as well.
0: A new thought came to mind, which is a less about sustainability and more about how companies compete with each other to attract customers. If essentially all cars have the same electric engine and probably with similar power outputs, then they'll have to compete more than they even do now on the aesthetic and the looks of their cars.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's more and more now you spot on. It's about the design of the car. It's about the, as you say, the aesthetics of the car. It's also about the personalization of the car as well and that comes in two areas it becomes the personalization in the technology that you interact with so that your car can learn about you so that when you get in it on a Monday morning it says good morning Jeremy I realized today you want to go to the office because it knows that last Monday morning and the Monday morning before you went to the office so it will learn much more about it that way but it's even in a fun practical way about individualization as well where you've got car companies you can personalize your car to a much greater degree. So for example, now you can buy a mini and with the benefits of 3d technology printing you can actually have certain inserts on your mini say on the dash or on the side grill on the outside of the car that says jeremy schwartz on the side or on the front it can say jeremy schwartz so you can, it's that individualization both in terms of technology but also in terms of the aesthetics and the designer that i think is going to become just one of the little areas and the edges that will become more important in the future
0: i now want to turn to another topic which I know Richard is knowledgeable about, having worked directly for BMW and is working now for a major distributor, that of autonomous vehicles. How does Richard view the future for this exciting new tech?
1: There's a couple of things there. I think one is the the level of autonomy is happening now anyway. So I've got a car outside, and you can think of it in different levels. You can have feet off, so cruise control. Everyone's had cruise control and you can take your foot off the accelerator. You can take your foot off the accelerator and 10 years ago, you can do it today. That's a level of autonomy. You can have hands-off where on my car outside, I've got a lane departure warning so that when you approach a white line, it vibrates the steering wheel and it moves the car back into the centre of the lane. And you can do that even at 100 miles an hour if the roads allow and going round a bend. That technology does exist. Then, so you've got feet off you know you've got hands off you can have eyes off as well where you actually don't need to be looking at the road to do that as well and then the fourth level is kind of mind off which is then complete level of autonomy so that's what a lot of the futurologists talk about is just getting in a car and being taken away so autonomy comes in different steps and some of those are here today and some of the more extreme ones will be there in the future And it may be that you drive your car to work and you get out your car at your office and you say to your smartwatch, go and park my car. And your car goes off to a designated parking space that might just be 20 yards around the corner. That's a level of autonomy. So that stuff, I think, is really exciting. And that's just about convenience and and so on.
0: So I've got a bit of a bet going on. As to when I might be able to take uh, an autonomous vehicle from a restaurant in London, let's say, to my home in London. Yeah. In how many years do you think it will be when I can do that, in your view?
1: Commercially, I would say in five to ten years, which is quite a big window. But I would bet you, since you're placing a bet, that in the next year, one of the car companies will do it as a trial with maybe the London Council just to demonstrate that it can be done and can be achieved.
0: So what have you seen or experienced in terms of being able to be in an autonomous vehicle and you know literally drive without hands, et cetera?
1: Well, what I described to you earlier, I've, I've had the opportunity to drive cars on an airfield that are completely autonomous and actually driving at 70 miles an hour towards effectively what would be a brick wall. It was bales of hay covered up and the car uh, brakes for you automatically without any input from the driver whatsoever. So that third or fourth level of autonomy that I was talking about.
0: But you have actually been in a car which is fully autonomous and is able, in that, for example, to anticipate and stop completely safely.
1: Yeah, and those cars, but those cars are available today.
0: Well, that is amazing to know and makes me confident that we will see autonomous electric cars operating in a city in less than five years – which I'm sure should and could reduce the amount of polluting cars on the roads. So our listeners are interested in tips and tricks as to how we could save the environment. I'm interested in the tips and tricks that Richard can give us and that our listeners can adapt pretty quickly. I guess the simplest
1: thing is is that any car that is manufactured and sold today is cleaner And better for the environment than one that was sold last year. Because, as I said earlier, car companies have got to make their cars cleaner and have less environmental impact on it. And that's the simplest thing to do. Now, on a practical day to day level, you don't want to be driving in rush hour traffic. You need to spread your journey. You need to think about working more from home and uh, how you use your car and your leisure time as well. But Ultimately, most people cannot control that, but most people can control the kind of car that they choose to use and how much they choose to drive on as well.
0: I hope you've learnt new facts on the growth of the electric car market and what is driving its evolution. I can see how we can all investigate one of four progressively better things to do. Firstly, how we can cut down on our car usage, especially sitting in rush hour, traffic jams, but we probably all know that. Then how we can own the newest petrol or diesel car that will have the latest ways to reduce emissions, which is relatively new to me. Better still, how we can own a hybrid, of course the best, which remains still quite expensive, how we can own a fully electric car. And on that note, we will speak on the final of this three series podcast, Into the Car, on a man who has bought not just one, but several Teslas. Until then, let's do our bit to save tomorrow's planet.